This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director, going to be talking to Steve Butterfield. Steve, I, we've known each other for quite a long time. Just to kind of start, in my opinion, it seems like things are getting kind of uh, a little bit of uh, a rage going on with people uh, being frustrated, I guess, with the politics and all of the misinformation and the things that seem to be somewhat crazy. Uh, what, an 18-year-old kid got run over and killed in North Dakota over a political argument in a bar? It's kind of like the old movie Network, where the guy sticks his head out the window and says, I'm mad <laughs> as hell. That, that is it. And I'm not going to take it anymore. Nope. <laughs> it's time to quit. <laughs> but, Steve, uh, last week, we a couple of weeks ago, we had a program where you know some of the veterans were even having to meet on Saturday mornings around here because of um, how they feel about Afghanistan and so on. So I thought maybe a couple of us Vietnam veterans could get That's, together, yeah. go back to Nixon. The Vietnam veterans were really not treated very well. No, and we but, didn't uh, didn't get treated well at all. But the uh, golf veterans and, and all of them kind of brought it back to where we felt appreciated again. Uh, like I say, the times are kind of, uh, you know, white is black and, and uh, up is down and, and uh, what is right is wrong and so on. So let's go back to the good old days. You know what I mean? Like Way back to 1961, yeah. <laughs> when I first moved to Sioux Falls. Where'd you move from? Moved up here from Schuyler, Nebraska. My father opened a filling station on West 12th Street, Butterfield, Apco. That first year that we were here, we went to California for Christmas. The time I got my first skateboard in California, there were no skateboards in Sioux Falls, and brought a skateboard back, and my dad ended up making skateboards for myself and uh, and Dave Dedrick's son, Dana. And Dana and I used to go down Sioux, downtown Sioux Falls with our skateboards and uh, terrorize the district. Well, downtown was a lot different yes. back then. You know, Phillips Avenue was a one-way going north, and Maine was a one-way going south. As I got older and started to drive and everything, you... We had cruise nights. Yeah. And everybody would cruise Friday and Saturday night. You'd, you'd come down Minnesota Avenue to 14th, go over to Phillips, go north 6th Street, and then go over to Maine, and then back down to 14th, and then over to Minnesota, and down to the barrel, and mm-hmm. shoot through the barrel, and do a burnout or two on your way through. And Yeah, the owner of the barrel used to come out with a broom and swat everybody when they were burning their tires. Yes, he did. I got swatted a couple of times. <laughs> But I, I used to broadcast from the old barrel drive-in back then. But uh, coming back to today a little bit, uh, it's just so people that, uh, a lot of people know you, Steve, but for those who don't, the national anthem. The anthem is very dear to me. One of those special things. A few years ago when Osama bin Laden decided that he wanted to commit suicide, <laughs> I was singing the national anthem at the Brandon Loyalties Day Parade. At the moment, they were doing the raid on Osama bin Laden's house. And it meant uh, a whole lot to me when John Small came up to me afterwards and said, you realized that while you were singing the national anthem, they killed Osama bin Laden. And I thought, wow, what a piece of powerful feeling that was. Just to know that that became a point in history that I'll never get to forget. People today, well, I guess if you're in Russia, you, you would kind of know what I mean, but uh, kids, they, they don't know what, what it's like to be drafted No, or to have a draft. Or... Kid, kids today don't understand. Uh, they don't understand what the draft was. 
uh, the military today has changed so much. I just saw a thing. Uh, they're offering $115,000 in bonuses and things if you'll join the Navy. You know, and they've cut it down to where it's an orientation of three weeks to become a sailor. That's all, they call it orientation, not boot camp? Yeah, orientation. Oh, boy. It, it's, uh, and it's at uh, Great Lakes Naval Station, three weeks, and you are part of the United States Navy. I remember getting out in 1973, and, and a friend of mine re-upped for one of those bonuses back then. It was like uh, $5,000, which if you with inflation would be like 50000 a day. But he re-upped in the Navy for four years just to get a Chevelle Supersport, uh, yep. the big one that came out that year. Just to get that car, he re-upped in the Navy. Yeah. 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 And it, we all did things, you know, like that. I mean, it was uh, – I. I my term in the Navy was short. It was two years. Uh, I was a radar radio operator, and I learned uh, how to do electronic warfare uh, work. And uh, then I got out. The ship I was on was a mess. Uh, it, uh, it had been in Vietnam. Uh, it had been blown up in the DMZ. And then I went aboard it in Bath, Maine, while while they're rebuilding it and stuff, and it was completely contaminated with Agent Orange. And I've suffered uh, some of the aspects of that. It took Tom Daschle, I think, and quite a few others, took about 30 years for the government to recognize Agent Orange. And this thing with the Camp Lejeune uh, water, if you notice, it took about 20 or 30 years. It's kind of like they waited until everyone died. I'm still I'm still fighting to get my Agent Orange claim through. Well, that's part of you know what we can talk to veterans. I think a little bit today. Uh, I think we got one of the best VA administration hospitals though in in the country right here. Well, our hospital here is great. Mm-hmm. They've they've done a lot for me. I am um, very happy with what they've done as far as my health care goes. Well, let's go back, like I say, to happier days. Okay. Um, the golden days, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, think, I think we had some of the best days uh, compared to today, Steve. Oh, yes. The, the, the days I can remember, well, we can go back to when I started with the John Michael's Disco on Wheels. And uh, we were traveling all over Nebraska and Iowa and Minnesota and South Dakota and even into North Dakota doing uh, mobile disco shows. And we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. My ex-wife, uh, I, I, she finally opened a safe that I gave her that I didn't know how to open, but she found some old tax uh, forms from back in 73 and 4 and that. And again, adjusted for inflation, we were grossing around a million dollars a year uh, just doing dances back wow. in the disco days back then. I didn't get paid enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just it. We spent it all. But uh, th- those were the days, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like I think uh, – Nickelodeon in, a, you know, like 10 years ago, a lot of people were watching uh, Donna Reed's program and, and uh, Father Knows Best because the kids had kind of a yearning to go back to those days when uh, the father could uh, earn enough money to send the kids to school and pay for the house all in one income. Yeah, it's the America has changed so much. I mean, it's just not uh, it's just not fair to kids today to see what's happened. Every weekend, there's cartridges in the middle of the street and guns being fired, knives come out. 
we didn't even think anything of locking our car door or front door or no. back door or anything. You, you never locked your house. No. You didn't lock your car. Nobody touched anything. It was one of those one of those times where everybody felt safe. You know, you'd go out with your friends and and play outside and when the street lights and stuff came on, you knew it was either time to go home or you'd hear your mom scream out mm-hmm. the door, uh, dinner time, and you'd go home for dinner. And you'd eat dinner, and then the family would sit around and you know, watch TV together. Yeah, I mean, Lawrence Welk. Yeah, yeah. Lawrence <laughs> Welk and, and uh, Gunsmoke. Yeah, but McKinnon Park used to have a, a, a kind of a yeah, security guard at night. Yeah. Uh, Scotty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Smith, or Smitty. Smitty was his name. Smitty. Yeah, he yeah. was a retired policeman. But, um, <laughs> he drank a lot. <laughs> no, he didn't. <clears throat> but I remember one day we found a pocket knife stuck in a tree. And, oh, boy, that was a huge thing. I mean, to find a knife stuck in the tree, I mean, that was a big deal. I yeah. Mean, you know. Um, major assault. Yeah. You know. And nowadays, uh, you get ring doorbells of watching people go through everybody's house. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, you don't. Uh, you, you don't have what you had. You don't have the peace of mind. Or the piece of heart that you used to have. I think Sioux Falls is kind of an island, though, of, of uh, a bit of the American dream that uh, you can find here still. Uh, you know, like I say, it's not like Omaha yet, but it seems to be heading that way. But to, uh, you know, half the people in this town, you know, don't know what we're talking about. Well, I remember, you know, I mean, back when we moved here, there were less than 70,000 people living mm-hmm. in Sioux Falls. And that's what? 200,000 now, somewhere around that area. Yeah, and, and with the suburbs, you know, Harrisburg uh-huh. has grown so much. But back then, the main thing was morels, yep. workers. Definitely and, morels. Yeah, and they would get, uh, you know, the buddies together and, and you know, have a... Uh, the thing at morels is nobody liked their job, but they got paid so well that they could buy boats and race cars and all that stuff on the weekends. Yeah. They, but, but they only worked a five-hour... And the weekends were for mowing your yard, sleeping in a hammock, Taking care of your house and your kids and yeah. your family and, uh, and going racing. Yeah, you didn't. You yeah. didn't work on weekends. No, you didn't. I did. My dad. Uh, you know, I started pumping gas for my dad in the filling station when I was nine years old, and uh, at fourteen years old, I went to work for probably one of my favorite bosses, and that was Kenny Anderson Senior. Mm-hmm. I worked at one hour martinizing down on Thirty Third, and uh, Kenny was a fabulous boss. And back, you know, back in that day, everybody everybody talks about black and white and racism and stuff. We, now that wasn't and any any problem. It, it wasn't. No. It wasn't a thing. No, it just wasn't. Here in Sioux Falls, it was just like everybody was your friend. I mean, the only thing you thought about racism was Houston Speedway on Sunday night. That's right. You know, we used to go out. Mom would take us out there, and my dad had race cars out there. And we would sit in turn one on a blanket because there weren't mm-hmm. any bleachers. And mom would bring a cooler of sandwiches and a cooler of pop. And we'd sit there in the corner and we'd watch the races and stuff. And nothing, 
nothing but tail lights all the way back home. Yeah, they get two, three thousand people every Sunday night out there yep. back then, and it's it's got got quite a heritage. It was a good time. Oh yeah, but if Morell's, uh, if there was any talk of strike or anything, we thought the whole town was going to go down the tubes. Oh yeah, yeah. You you figure okay, Sioux Falls is going to shut down, and where are we going to live? Yeah, but now we got uh, hospitals, medical. Uh, so many different types of things, I guess you might say. But uh, uh, in, in a sense, you and I are both talking about, like I say, times when it was a whole lot easier. I mean, you could ride your bike uh, anywhere. Yeah, you could uh, get across town on a bicycle in, in 15, 20 minutes. Well, you talked about the disco days. Um, yeah. <laughs> with, with, with a little bit of a smile. Uh, dancing was, was, you know, back then, every... High school football game or basketball game had a dance after it. Yes. And everybody, you know, there was probably 60 bars in Sioux Falls and 60 bands in oh. Sioux Falls, but uh, people drank a little bit more back then. Uh, but there was drive-in movies. Uh, uh, there was, uh, you know, on the weekends, again, you enjoyed doing things, and uh, there was a lot of social action. Nowadays, it's all social media, um, which is good or bad or whichever, but... Uh, uh, you know, drive-in movies, you know, on a Saturday night. Uh, the whole Starlight family. Drive-In was the I mean, place to be. Who, who yeah. didn't sneak in the trunk, you know? Uh, oh, a lot of people did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You you, you were at the at disco dances, we had a thing called the Discorilla. Yes, it was a, the Discorilla. It was a gorilla mask that you put on. And, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, we did. there was a thing downtown where they had roller skating. Yeah, I, I was never good on roller skates. Yeah. But you did get arrested as a disc gorilla. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, there, there are pictures of me up against uh, up against a disc on wheels van. Well, who was the officer that uh, helped us with that? Uh, was that Lauren McManus? I, I can't remember. I can't remember now, but I'd have to look yeah. back at the pictures. But back then, you know, they had uh, a cherry in the middle of the police car with a chrome ring. And yes, I had a 1931 Model A Ford Victoria with a 392 Hemi in it. But you could spot that ring, that little sparkle of that ring, you know, two blocks away. Everywhere, so you knew when not to get on it. Well, they, <laughs> they had to follow you for two or yeah. three blocks to, you know, to say that you were driving the speed. Uh, but, you know, like I say, you know, 229 from Minnesota Avenue to uh, Cliff Avenue, or I think, or, or to Western was kind of a drag strip back then. yeah. I used to... Uh, they had lights painted out there. Fr- Friday and Saturday nights, I'd uh, go downtown. You'd cruise Sioux Falls. And you'd go downtown, and you'd find somebody that wanted to race. And so then you'd head down Minnesota Avenue. And you'd stop at 33rd at the gas station to let some air out of your tires. Well, I usually yeah. stopped at my dad's station on 27th of Minnesota and changed gears in the rear end because I had a quick change in the rear end of my uh, 65 Barracuda, so I'd throw my racing gears in make it out to the make it out to 229 and hit the marks on uh, 229 going east to cliff and there wasn't that much traffic back then no there wasn't no. you know you you get out there and you get lined up side by side somebody get out and drop their hand and mm-hmm. off you'd go and you'd go about a quarter of a mile and shut down and turn off on cliff and, and well thunder uh, valley started back then yes uh 1966 the days of the beach boys 409 and you know yes. uh, i was uh, i was uh thunder valley's very first announcer and uh i i will always thank glenn for letting me do that that was a very exciting time for me glenn rep um 
uh, he never really got over his first love, uh, the accident that they had, and and yeah. uh, but he, he accomplished a lot with that track out there. Uh, you know, like I say, people had visions, they had dreams, and back then, you know, everybody thought, you know, I can realize my dreams if I just get down and work and and you know do something about it. And nowadays, people don't know if they can do that anymore. No, you know, Glenn Rapp had a fabulous thing going. The track was NHRA sanctioned yeah. and everything. And people just kind of uh, started to change. And the track is still open, thank mm-hmm. God, uh, because it, it's it's a place for people to go and to let some of that energy out. I mean, we all have a racer inside of us somewhere. But the good days, the golden days of the uh, the gassers and the, the rails and being able to go out to uh, Ernst Wrecking and buy a starter for five bucks and put it on with two bolts. Yeah, that's, uh, that's gone. Yeah, that's gone. Put in an electric fuel pump, you know, with just a couple bolts. And, you know, you could do things with your car back then. Nowadays, you open up the hood and you say, huh? Yeah, you look under there and here's this big piece of plastic and you're going, what is that? Well, you're driving a Mustang. Now, a lot of people don't realize you're a artist. You're a tattoo artist. And you drive a really nice Mustang that was just basically payment for a tattoo, right? Yes. Uh, it's a 99 Mustang, and it's went through a lot of changes since I first got it. But uh, I traded it for a tattoo, and uh, I, I never cared for yellow cars until I got this Mustang. <laughs> and uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's, it's a six-cylinder, but yet uh, uh, we've done a lot of work to it. And it's a lot of fun. It's going to Arkansas this winter to have some more work done to it mm-hmm. and uh, get a fresh paint job and things. Well, like we were talking about the American Dream in the early days, but uh, you've got your own business. You've got a uh, what an acre or so outside uh, a mile from Houston's. Yeah, I've got about an acre and a quarter a mile east of Houston's. So you, you've you've uh, come a long ways from uh, living in a house trailer underneath the viaduct. Yes, yes. <laughs> the house trailer under the viaduct, those were the days when uh, everything was crazy. And I think it's still there. Uh, yeah, it is. I was uh, doing disc on wheels shows. I started working at Night City Disco, which had been the Macamba Club when I was growing up. I started going in there when I was very young and having a good time. And Bud Brown never seemed to mind me coming in and stuff. I went to school with his son and everything. And then when it changed, Tom Gunlux took over managing it, and I ended up becoming disc jockey there. Well, there was Shenandoah Village. uh, There was the After Five. But... The city back then seemed to want to move all the bars out of town. Yeah, out of, out of downtown. They uh, they banned rock and roll at the Sioux Falls Arena in the seventies. Um, except Elvis, they, they said, "Well, he wasn't rock and roll. That's okay." Yeah, but uh, Elvis was history. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, he he played here and in Rapid City just before he died. This right, was the six second. weeks before he died. Yeah, but. Uh, those were the days. I, I was working KISD radio downtown. We had this big window of glass right on Main Street. And uh, a couple girls in high school brought me this petition. had 5,000 names of all these names written on these, you know, uh, old school paper, you know. And uh, we put it on AP, uh, uh, you know, because I, I got $2.50 for every story I sent AP, Associated Press. But somehow they got a, uh, heard about it in, in Vegas and said, yeah, we like grassroots we want to come to places where we're appreciated because uh in la i mean you know billy joel's going to be there the next day out in john the next day i mean no big thing 
But uh, he really liked it here in Sioux Falls and came back a second time. Uh, but uh, a lot of people don't know that uh, Black Betty by Ram Jam, yep. KISD Radio, which is now 1230 KWSN, um, we got that on the charts for him. And uh, because they were just kind of spontaneous around the country but never re- got speed, we got it on the charts for him as a uh, R&R reporter. And they came out and said, we appreciate that, that so much that we had a... a what they called it, a, uh, a Great Bear, a, a summer jam. They gave us a free concert. Uh, Michael Murphy's Wildfire was another thing that we did here out of Sioux Falls, you know, back in those days. You know, the, the, the 60s were great. The, mm-hmm. the, the bands and stuff that did come to Sioux Falls that were in the arena and stuff, Power Fear and the Raiders, and oh, yeah. the Loving Spoonfall. And- the first group I ever saw was Peter and Gordon. And yeah. back then, everybody wore a suit and tie. Constantly. And you sat there, and uh, they had the house lights with the only light system. And the through the PA system with the Marshall amps was the only, uh, you know, sound system. The Beach Boys, people don't realize Glenn Campbell actually played uh, in, here in Sioux Falls with the Beach Boys. They, their whole sound system was 12 Marshall amps. Yes. There was not... <laughs> It, was, it, it, it wasn't a 30,000-watt no. system that just... Uh, I, I can remember in the 70s, the Scorpions played here, and they had to hire, uh, you know, extra generators. Yes. For all the lights that they had back then, because the lights were like 1,000 amp, you know. But those generators were puffing up black smoke to the beat of the music. Yep. Iron <laughs> Butterfly uh, mm-hmm. was probably uh, the first real heavy light show I saw at the Sioux Falls Arena, and that was back in the days of... Well, again, when I was with KISD, I know in 73, we had John Denver, then we had Mark Returner Overdrive, then the Guess Who, and Pure Fury League, and, and uh, uh, I, I guess it, we sold that place out every two two uh, weeks. Three Dog Night had 11,700 people yeah. in that arena. That's before they had the the uh, bleachers on the side, and it was basically bathroom to bathroom standing only. Yep. The Doobie, yeah, Brothers, Doobie Brothers was the last one before they banned rock and roll. Yeah, they, they thought, well, that was built for sports out there. We can't have, uh, you know. Uh, to be in uh, rock and roll yeah. was a rather ridiculous well, it, idea. It, it took till, uh, what's his name, the manager retired, and then they finally got it to straighten out where they realized how much money they were losing. Uh, we had people coming from Montana and North Dakota all over back in those days. But that, like I say, the music was different back then, too. Yes, it was. Uh, it, it was a much nicer, I guess, much nicer music. You could, yeah, you didn't have to worry about your kids listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> Every generation know. has to have something that upsets their parents. But, uh, you know, Elvis Presley, you know, it was mild compared to the lyrics of the music. I, I, you know, I, I'm glad I retired as a DJ because uh, oh. I can't imagine playing the music that they do nowadays. You, you know what they say. I mean, with with candy and music, there are two things that you can do without, and that's rappers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I hope we didn't offend anybody. There was, yeah, me too. There, there's some good rap, but um, again, the lyrics, but uh, there's something about music that uh, transcends words, and bye-bye American Pie, uh, still today after 50 years, pretty much uh, reaches into anybody. It, it touches everybody's heart because it says who we were, mm-hmm. and what we were feeling, and everything that was happening at the time. As a Vietnam vet from the Vietnam era, what, what can you say to people, the vets today, that are, are, are kind of confused as to what is our country we're fighting for like now? Our country is different. Uh, 
back then you had a sense of of pride and of loyalty and integrity towards our country. You were willing to do whatever it took to make sure that America stayed free. And today, it's like you're you're going out there and you're not sure what you're fighting for. You you have no real uh, people behind you to say yes. Uh, we're trying to save freedom in America. What do you think of Afghanistan's withdrawal? I think it was a mistake to do it the way it was done. It should have been planned out better and had the people looking more at saving our troops and everything that were there and working with the people to try and get those people to safety instead of letting the government go back in and take over the way it did because there are a lot of people over there now that are suffering. You just got back from Dublin. Dublin, Ireland, and went, Scotland. Yeah, you went over with... Uh, Jay Trobeck and Rebecca, his yeah. wife, and uh, the holiday uh, holiday travels. Well, yeah, you spent some time over there. We used to have some sister cities over there. I don't know if we still do, but what was the feeling about America uh, looking uh, back at it from over in, in Scotland? Well, the people in Scotland and Ireland, uh, they're, they're not quite sure about our president and our, our government uh, as to where it really flows today. Uh, our economy affects their economy, and they're not happy with the way our economy's going. Uh, Four dollars a gallon for gasoline. You know, I can remember John pumping gasoline for eleven point nine cents a gallon during a gas war. We don't have gas wars anymore. You know, my father told me that gas should never have went above a dollar and a quarter a gallon, Mm -hmm. no matter how long it lasted, because we have gas, we have oil, and to close down the the pipeline and stuff here in the United States to eliminate that independence that we were gaining was one of the largest mistakes anybody's ever made. What was your happiest time you can remember of living in Sioux Falls as a kid? Skateboarding downtown <laughs> with Dana Tedrick. <laughs> you, you were the only one that had, had yep. a skateboard. Back there were two of us. And, and the skateboards had steel wheels. You mm-hmm. know, you took roller skates, old steel wheel roller skates. And... Uh, I brought the one back from California, and then Dad started making them for my friends. He made one for Dana, and uh, Dana launched it out in the street one day, and it got ran over by a car and got broken. And uh, David Dedrick, yeah, and broke his arm, and so Dad made him another one. And well, California was different back then. Yes, it was. Everybody wanted to go to California. They they end up coming back, but uh, you know, I remember a guy had a thirty-two uh, sedan driving around, but he put a surfboard on top. Well, there's no surfing around Sioux Falls, but that was that was the thing back then. You yep, know. surfboards were cool. Yeah, you know. yeah. So, that, like I say, though, the I think, you know, Steve, you know, we're both in our 70s, but I think we had some of the best days. The golden days were really here in Sioux Falls back in the 60s, 70s. I know we did. Uh, the 60s and 70s in Sioux Falls were a very calm, peaceful type of life where you didn't have to look over your shoulder every second to see if somebody was out there that was trying to cause you harm. And 
you know, like I say, if people want to go back and, and, you know, there's a lot of people don't know what we're talking about, watch Father Knows Best or Donna Reed or, or Walton's. Uh, you get a sense of it. Uh, I think we've lost some of that. Uh, the priorities were God, family, and country. Yes. And the family today is who knows. And it's, and it's one of those things back then, you know, if you had an argument with somebody, you went outside, you smacked each other around a bit, and then you ended up shaking hands and walking away and going sitting down and having a Coke. Yeah, the, the police actually sponsored the Golden Gloves. Yeah. Yep. And I, that, that was a big deal. And I announced uh, Golden Gloves for a while, and uh, yeah, that was fun. Well, Steve Butterfield, if you... For those who don't know you, if if they hear your name, what do you want them to think uh, Steve Butterfield is? Steve Butterfield is a guy who's been tattooing for 43 years, has put his heart and soul into making a decent living, trying to be a decent guy who cares about his country and his family, the community. Well, Steve, I'm so old I don't have tattoos. I want to thank you very much for being with us on Forum. I'd like for you to come get a tattoo, John. If I can take just one second, mm-hmm. October 2nd, next door at the El Riyadh Shrine is the 11th Annual Daughters of the Nile Ashram at Bull 97 uh, Crap Fair. And uh, please, everybody from noon to four, come on out. It's a good time. And if you want a tattoo... Alien and Company, 738 South 1st Avenue, 338-6702. Give me a call. I've got over 400 national and international awards for my work. October 4th makes 43 years of doing this. And by God, I love you, world. That's the Steve Butterfield I know. Thank you for being with us on Forum. Thanks, John.